Hey-ho! Let's go! Wishing everyone an awesome Friday. Hope you're well wherever you are. Shorts weather here in upstate New York. Had 50s, 60s weather all week. Winter's over. It's in the books. Done. Put the shorts out. As usual, welcome to the show. I am Sean Pugsley Martin. This is episode 48 of Pugsley's Pit. And as we always do this time of the show, we begin by asking you the question, where else would you rather be than right here? Right now, by way of introduction, I'm a freelance sports writer for the Albany Times Union, avid sports enthusiast. You can see the deco behind me. Big time homer for my sports teams without apologies. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Pugsley Spit. Taking the podcast on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Here is part of the Godzilla Media Network. Before we get to our guest today, looking forward to this show. <laughs> yeah, uh, coming up later in my world, a quick look back to the Super Bowl. And the nausea that went with it. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, the Vegas Clown Show with Josh McDaniels, and pitchers and catchers. It's that time of year. Uh, but before we get to all that, let's bring back a friend of our program, Mr. Cam Hasbrook, Brews and, Bru- Brews and Bruins podcast, two of my favorite things. And we are here to talk all things Boston Bruins hockey. And there's so much to talk about, and it's all good. That there is, that there is. We were just chatting a little bit pre-show about uh, the last time I was on here. I think it was about a year ago, and uh, you said the sky was falling, which I think was a little bit apt. It was right after Tuca had been hurt. Uh, the you know David Krejci was still over in Europe. Patrice Bergeron was playing as well as ever, but was one of the the few links in that chain still. And it looked like uh, maybe that Bruins run was finally coming to an end. And you know a little bit over 365 days later, here we could not have been more wrong about that. It- it's remarkable. And the, the one, I mean, they're getting goal scoring from all lines. Um, the defense, I mean, when they traded for Hampus Lindholm, I want to talk about him at some point when they traded yeah. for him. Again, that big contract. I'm like, the guy's been buried in Anaheim for a while. I don't know much about him, but but I do now. Um, talk about this season as, as a whole so far. 41-8-5. And with seven yeah. points clear, Carolina got to got to keep that home ice. But uh, this has just been an incredible, incredible season. Yeah, absolutely. I I even did it now. When you say the record, it just sounds like a joke. It's not <laughs> something that should be taken seriously. Um, and that's been the case kind of all year. I mean, you you look at the record and the runs that they haven't had one bad. I mean, they had that one stretch where they lost, I think, three in a row. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, gosh, is this it? Like, when a team loses – like, hockey teams regularly lose three games in a row. It's not that weird at all. And the fact that that was a, such a momentous point in this season really shows you how ridiculous things have been. And uh, even just visually looking at the the digits of that record is just – it doesn't quite, like, make sense as as you watch it for a sport. And, and especially the time when the NHL is, is so even, right? There's, yeah. there's a ton of parity across the league to see what the Bruins are doing right now. Uh, it's just incredible right now, even coming off of a five nothing win against Nashville. That's the thing is that this team, it's not like they're sneaking out wins one, one, two goal games. They are blowing the doors off of a lot of good teams right now. Yeah. And it shows in their goal differential. And it's just, it's incredible to see. I mean, uh, I think there were a lot of questions about this team last off season. Felt like they were stalling a little bit. Uh, obviously the change at head coach was a little bit of a surprise doing like a lot of people, including me, 
Um, I really liked the idea and the the kind of the the way that Montgomery plays his game. Uh, was interested to see how it would work out for the Bruins and and had a pretty good feeling about it overall. But I don't think anybody could have predicted what we've seen so far this season. No, I, I remember when when oh, look, I'm no Don Sweeney fan, but yeah, it's hard to argue with with where we're at. Yeah. When they fired Bruce Cassidy, I was furious. Yeah. I was like, wow, here's a guy that's come in and had nothing but success. Mm-hmm. Came within a 60 minutes of winning a cup in 19. What else do you want? He's had all success, but now you take a step back. And look, I've been I've been around college hockey. I've been around a lot of coaches that that can be can be a little little rough, a little abrasive. And, and now you look at Cassidy. Now look, he's got Vegas. They're having a great year out there, and they weren't supposed to. Yep. Um, so he can obviously coach, but I'm now wondering: Is Bruce Cassidy one of those guys? He's got about a five-year run in him at any place because he wears people out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things, too, where it's it's the carousel of pro sports, right? I mean, I think this especially happens in, in hockey and, in like, soccer is another sport where it happens a ton. But you just don't see managers, coaches, you know, last for more than five years in most places. There are very few pace, especially in today's game, where a, a coach is staying with a team for anything close to a decade, right? It's just, and, and that's just kind of the way these organizations are run right now. It's kind of, you know, the, that's what comes with the job, right? You kind of expect that you're not going to be there forever. Um, in many cases, I think people maybe pull the gun a little too early and, and, and move on before they should. Um, I think the Bruins were, you know, being accused of that for sure. When, when they moved on from Cassidy, I was, a, I was a big Cassidy fan. I still am. He seems like a great guy, but um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's pretty tough to argue with, uh, with what they're doing right now. Well, you play the what if game. Okay. Let's say Cassidy was too abrasive. Is that why Krejci went to Czechoslovakia last year? He just had enough. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? Back. Would, would Bergeron have come back? We don't know. Yeah. Um, but the one knock on Cassidy I heard was that he didn't relate well to younger players. And I get that. And then you look at some of these young guys, Trent Frederick, they're having nice years under Montgomery. And maybe it's just, yeah, you always got to trust the brass. I'm not in the room. And they certainly not asking my opinion, but maybe they just needed a different type of type of coach and more of a player's coach, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and good for Jim Montgomery. I mean, he left, yeah. he left again his last gig under some tough certain personal circumstances gets a second chance and, and I mean, he's already going to be coach of the year. I can't imagine anybody taking that from him, but what is, where's the gap right now? Where's the yeah. flaw? To me, the biggest worry is keeping the legs fresh for playoffs. Um, but where, where do you see it? I mean, it is just a pleasure to watch every night. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is it's, they're not, there's not many games that they're stealing. Right. And, to to have a record like what they have right now, 41, 8, and 5, you have to kind of steal some games. And there's been a couple of those, but for the most part, it's been convincing. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously, as we get closer to the trade deadline here, that's that's the question, right? Is where can you improve? And it's a it's a tough needle to thread right now because our you know, there's no such thing as a perfect hockey team, right? They can always improve. Yeah. Um, but where do you improve this team right now? They are deep everywhere. Every single position is is deep. And you know, obviously when it comes to playoff hockey, especially after a grueling 82 game season, you can never have enough depth. So that's something you always want to build on. But at the same time, 
I mean, I don't know. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. They are blowing teams out of the water right now. They've got a ridiculous goal differential. They are dominating in just about every category you can. How much do you really want to play with that formula if it's working right now? And and obviously you need to be you know aware that injuries can happen in other unforeseen circumstances where there could be other issues that pop up two weeks from now, a month from now, a division round, you know, or a round into the playoffs or something like that. So you have to be prepared to kind of fill those stop gaps. But at the same time, I don't know if you really want to deal players off of this roster right now yeah. because it's meshing so well. And, and it's just, you, you risk messing something up at that point. You do. And you know, where, where are you going to improve? Right. <clears throat> you know, DeBrusque will be back probably soon. You know, to me, anybody that skates with Marshan and Bergeron should be putting up numbers. Yep. But that that team is so deep that they were able to move Taylor Hall off of the posture on Krejci line. Yeah. Because Zaka has been just a, a great find. How about since signing that deal, too? He's just elevated yeah. his game to a whole new level. I think that's a lot of things. People, I think, uh, get really caught up in the the storylines of like, oh, this is a contract year and, and he's going to play so well because he's about to – I think some players just want that security. And it seems like maybe Zach was one of those guys where he gets that extension. He finally feels like he's at home. He's got nothing to worry about. And he can just go play hockey. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's just the boost over the past few weeks, but he's been playing incredible hockey the last few weeks. And uh, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if that's a coincidence. I remember back in even September, it was like, Oh my God, you know, McAvoy's out for a while. Marshan's out for a while. Other people are banged up. Krejci's back after a year. What did he lose? And you're like, wow, if this team could keep its head above water yeah. till January, the we're going to have some. Yeah. Well, guess what? January hit, and we had about four losses. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just been a remarkable thing. And then the fact that you got Taylor Hall, a former league MVP, who's still still got some legs in him, playing third line, and Charlie Coyle's having a nice year. It's um, But I want to go back to Hampus Lindholm. And yeah, what, yeah. what has he brought to this team – um, he's, he's brought a two-way presence to add to go with McAvoy that they they just did not have. Yeah. I think, uh, first of all, you have to give a ton of credit to Don Sweeney for that move. Um, I think that will probably go down as his best move yet as the GM of the Boston Bruins. I think it's very hard to argue, especially when you look at the contract, the tournament she's got. That was a player who stepped in and made an immediate impact at a relatively low price and is going to continue making an impact the next couple of years. I mean, obviously – when you think about the Bruins defense, Charlie McAvoy is what comes to mind yeah. and rightfully so, but Hampus Lindholm is, is right there. Maybe playing better than, than McAvoy is right now, to be honest with you. And I think, I think what Lindholm brings is a more refined version of what Bruins fans have wanted Matt Grizzly to be the last couple of years. And I'm a Grizzly fan. I think he's a very good, you know, second line player. Yeah. Hampus Lindholm has a similar skill set, but just at an elevated level. He is so smart with the puck on both ends of the ice. He can move the puck up ice. He can, uh, you know, run an offensive zone. And he's very, very responsible defensively. And that's a rarity in today's NHL. You get a lot of guys who are excellent, you know, moving the puck up, have that kind of Bobby or skating ability, right? But maybe they can't do it on the back end or vice versa. You have your, your Brandon Carlos, who are pretty stout stay-at-home defensemen but don't have that forward ability. And and Hampus Lindholm, for a guy who the Bruins picked up at a low price, is now six on the team in scoring this year, ahead of Taylor Hall, who you just mentioned as a former <laughs> league MVP, uh, and as a defenseman too, a guy who can eat minutes. Uh, he's averaging, I think, yeah, just over 23 and a half minutes a night. That's going to be huge come playoff time. 
Uh, and I think it gives the Bruins a very, very legitimate one-two punch between him and McAvoy that is going to be as good as any any one-two combo you'll find in the league. You're right. I mean, Lindholm's, the assist he had on Hall's goal, and that was a great win in Dallas the other mm. night. They're number one out west. You go down there, but the, the Lindholm, his puck awareness when he drove behind the net and noticed that the second Dallas defender had followed him and turned around literally turned against his whole body and, and fed a blind pass to Hall who was standing all, all alone in front. That's just great awareness. And, yeah. and you know, it's just part of when you defending the Bruins right now is really tough because they have, they don't just have good players. They have savvy guys mm-hmm. who know where each other are and the cohesion on this team is remarkable. Yeah, it does feel like the system that Montgomery has brought in, especially with activating the defense, has been huge for this team um, from a number of perspectives. But like you said, I feel like it just fits the skill sets of the guys that they have, not only on defense, but up front as well. Um, And I feel like that was kind of the knock on the Bruins last few years was if you could lock down some of their elite forwards, they didn't have that production out of the back. They weren't threatening. Uh, You know, they had a really good kind of one-two punch with that Bergeron and and even the second line, uh, especially before Krejci had gone overseas. Um, But from there, it fell off, right? And you never felt like, you know, maybe there were a couple guys, your McAvoy's or whatever, that you had to pay attention for on the back end. But all of a sudden, I mean, even if you get past McAvoy and Lindholm now, like you got guys like Connor Clifton who are legitimate threats. And when they're playing this active style that Montgomery, bring the defense low, let them cycle around have your guys kind of cover for him on the back end. It it makes, you know, you can't just lock down Bergeron and Martian anymore and, and, you know, try to stay above water. You have five guys in the ice who are threatening at almost all times. Uh, and that's something that the Bruins have been lacking the last couple of years. And I think that's been the key to their success so far this season. Now, look, we, we've been on the show about 12 minutes together. We haven't even mentioned David Pasternak yet. Yeah. Um, you hear anything? When when is he going to sign? When are they when are they going to get that done so the stress that stress can be gone? You can't yeah. let him out the door. No, you absolutely cannot. Um, as a Red Sox fan, I'm terrified <laughs> having seen this happen <laughs> with going back to John Lester to Mookie Betts to Xander yeah. Bogarts just waiting too long on him uh, and letting the guy walk. I mean, at this point, if you're David Postonok's agent, you're waiting as long as you can because this guy's value goes up every single night. It just doesn't – he's incredible. I, you look at – you talk about the depth that this team has had, right? Look at Marshan, 47 points. Krejci, 43. Bergeron, 40. David Pasternak's got 74 points in 54 games. That is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And this guy is still 26 years old. He's going into his prime. He – I mean, it's – the Bruins have been so good the last decade, really, about locking down players under team-friendly contracts – David Posternock is somebody who does not deserve a team-friendly contract. It would be incredible if they could get him to buy in on one. I hope they do. He's got to be their number one priority regardless. But it's understandable this guy wants to cash in on the bank. And I think this is this is the guy who you look at your squad, you say he's the forward we're building the team around. Yeah. Obviously, McAvoy is the guy in the back, and hopefully Swayman's the one in the, in the net. But you've got your young players you can still build around. And, and if you want to have this team be competitive post-Bergeron era – David Pasternak needs to be a part of that. The money's there. The money's there. And you know what? You More than likely, you're going to have Bergeron and Krejci coming off the books. Now, I know they didn't, They took very team-friendly deals this year, but you find the money for Pasternak. But, yeah, um, yeah that blew my mind. He's 27 points clear of Marshand on a team that's just lighting it up. Yeah. It's incredible well, what he's doing. Is this uh, – and the other thing with the, with the Bruins is, yeah, they got some older guys, but even if – Let's just say 
Fergie and Krejci move on. This team is still loaded. Yeah, I think that was the concern the last couple of years, right, was what happens when those guys are gone. Obviously, you have a couple of pieces, but I think you have to feel better about it. I mean, the, the issue is going to be plugging that center hole, right? Like, obviously, losing your top two centers, especially when they're as good as Bergeron and Krejci are, that's going to be a problem. Um, I'm not sure you have an obvious fit into the number one ability, but there are guys who are going to be free agents this offseason who could potentially fit the bill. I know there's been a lot of talk about trade targets, too. Um, so I don't think you have to be terribly, terribly concerned about that right now. Um, and, and like you said, they ha- still have some other younger guys and some depth at this point. Like Zaka's looking like a better option. Charlie Corwell, I don't think, is quite the option that the Bruins were hoping he would be when they first picked him up. Um, but he's having a good bounce back year after a tougher one last season. So I, I think they still have pieces that obviously they're not going to be the team that they are right now, but I don't think they necessarily have to go on into a full rebuild either. Yeah. Here, here's one concern I have is are they physical enough? <clears throat> you get into playoffs. It's a grind. I thought the the loss to the Islanders a few years ago was largely of just an attrition over, over the course of a series. Lino will give you a little bit of a bark. So will Frederick. You know Greer and Clifton. It plays much bigger than his size. Um, is this group physical enough? Do they need kind of get a big body in here before playoffs? I'm going to go ahead and say no. I don't think so. Um, and for a couple of reasons, I think the biggest one is you look at the players. Obviously, they have some guys who can throw the body around. You mentioned Felino. Obviously, Trent Frederick. Uh, even guys like McAvoy and Lindholm are not small yeah. and can definitely play a physical game, bring that presence. Um, but even if you look at the forward group, it's a team that is made up of a lot of guys who have been there before and know what that playoff atmosphere is, right? right? You're talking Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak at this point, Brad Marsh and David Krejci. These are all guys who have gone through the ringer in the postseason before. And I think they kind of understand how the game changes when you go into playoff hockey and how to yeah. work it. And they've, they've had success with that in the past. I don't think there's even guys like Jake DeBrusque has had a couple of runs at it at this point. And I don't, you know, not that he's going to bring a physical presence, but I think he's able to adapt this game a little bit to fit into more of a playoff mold. So I think, you know, the league is changing right now. And I think the Bruins were able to pick up on this kind of speed skill game in a way that, I've wanted them to the last few years, and it seems like they've been kind of hesitant to do. Montgomery has really activated that kind of game plan, and I think it's working well. And I, I think you're still going to have the kind of traditional, you know, meat grinder of playoff hockey, but I don't think it's it's as based on even, you know, as opposed to a couple of years ago with that Islanders, that series that you mentioned. I still don't think the Bruins are going to be able to be a team that's going to be worn down. I mean, we've seen teams try to do it in the regular season. Obviously, it's different over the course of a seven-game series. Um, but I, I don't think this is a team that you can just hit your way through at this point. Uh, yeah, DeBrusque, look, I think I might be the last holdout by still not <laughs> forgiving him for that trade request last year. And that's obviously was an anti-Cassidy thing, because as soon as they made the change, he altered his tune a little bit. So talk about DeBrusque this year and his rebound. Again, I'm, I'm not over it, but you keep producing, I forgive. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with the Bruss guy, honestly. I I kind of get the situation last year. I mean, I think um, based on the situation, you know, you look at his career trajectory, and uh, I don't think he was ever going to be a, an NHL superstar, that sort of thing. But I think you can say he's a solid top six guy at this point. Uh, and 
you look at kind of just the front, it feels like he was just a little stagnant under that system with, with Cassidy. And um, I don't know if it was, you know, personal with him, but sometimes it's just the, the sake of the young players sometimes need a new coach that, you know what I mean? Just a, a fresh start, if you will. Not that there's any personal issues. Maybe there was, I don't know. We're not in the locker room. Right. But, but sometimes you just need that fresh chance, which is what he's been given. Uh, I think outside of, of getting that trade, which obviously never came to fruition, a new head coach and kind of fresh take on things is the next best option that you have. Uh, and he seems like he's really embraced that role. I do think it seems like he does like it in Boston. I think uh, situationally it wasn't really working out for him just from a roster perspective ahead of time. Um, but you look at, at what he's done this season, he's a totally new player. Um, I always have kind of appreciated his ability to just track down pucks in the offensive zone. I think that's really the biggest difference maker between an effective DeBrusque and somebody who, uh, is kind of a little bit more disposable as a top six, maybe middle six, lower six guy. Um, but this year, I feel like whether I don't know if it's just the, the fresh start or the, the kind of a change of approach, but it seems like he's brought that game back and it's reflecting in his points. Obviously, he's been hurt and and it's it's been you've been able to see the hole with with him being gone, which is not something that you could have said much in the past uh, when he's yeah. been out. So I think uh, I'm bought in on him. I don't think, again, he's not going to be, um, you know, a, a breakout top line player at any point i don't think in his career but i think as far as a 26 year old who can produce you pretty much know what you're going to get out of him he's yeah. been a little streaky throughout his career but i think it's been better this season um and you know i, I think you got to work him into your plans over the next few years if you can hey uh when uh, summer of 21 when i heard linus allmark was coming to boston to play goal i was like why <laughs> yeah know, I, why i, I, I got to play buffalo why I got two numbers for you, 937 save percentage and 190 goals against. That's Those are why. pretty good numbers. Incredible, um, yeah. You know, when he came in, you know, with the, with the Tuca thing going on and everything, and I love the camaraderie. I mean, the goalie hug is is a thing. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, it is, and I love the camaraderie with those two. And, you know, you get the playoffs, you got to have one guy. That's the sentiment. We'll see what they do. But the, the Bruin goalies and Swayman is, is clearly got, got a big, big future ahead of him. Yeah. And I think they're, they're doing it right with him where they're not necessarily shouldering him with a 60 game load. Um, yeah. though eventually he may be, but again, top to bottom, I mean, you got a, you got a good solid defense in front of them and then you got two lights out goalies. Um, you know, all Mark was great in Dallas the other night and they throw, they saw Swayman in Mas Nashville and he pitches a shutout. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible to have that duo right now. I think, uh, from that perspective, I really think that camaraderie is translating into their games. I don't think either of them feels some pressure. I think, I don't think they feel like they're competing. I think they they elevate each other's games, but not in the job security. I'm worried that I'm going to lose playing time kind of way. Um, I think they're both very clear and aware of what their roles are and comfortable with it. And and I've been running with it. I mean, I I think you know I mentioned earlier. I think that the Hampus Lindholm deal might be the best move that that Sweeney's made. If it's not, then it's this Linus Omar deal. Uh, yeah. You look at what he did in Buffalo and, and you know what I mean? You kind of talked about Lindholm being buried in Anaheim. Talk about this guy being buried in Buffalo for the first five, six years of his career here without really getting the chance out. He put up pretty good numbers in Buffalo. I think his lowest save percentage was a 905. Uh, and that was his first kind of full season from there. He brought it to a 915, two years with a 917. Like pretty good numbers for a Buffalo team that really has no defensive identity or core or whatever has been trying to dig themselves out of the pit for the last decade, really. Yep. Uh, and I think the Bruins saw somebody there who, okay, this guy's got a lot of ability. Maybe there's a couple things we need to fine tune. 
Um, we've been chatting with our good friend, Kat Silverman, who's a goaltending expert on Bruins and Bruins. And she said one of the things that she saw with him was that he's always had that kind of ability, but he could get a little bit, you know, when you play for Buffalo, you don't have that system around you. You need to get a little erratic sometimes to like do the extra thing to make the save. I think the Bruins have been able to kind of fine tune that over the last year. And, and now that he's got a very, very responsible defensive system around him, he knows he's not expected to kind of do those extra things. And I think yeah. he's, he's really refined his game, especially this season. And you're seeing it pay massive dividends for the Bruins right now. And, uh, you know, I, I, the, the most important thing in the postseason is a hot goalie, right? And and Omar's been incredible so far this season, 27-4-1. and one. We've gone through the stats already. It's, it's yeah. silly at this point. Um, obviously, you hope he can kind of carry that out and, and at least get hot again going into the playoffs. But – um, you know, that's why it's so huge to have somebody like Swayman behind him who you can trust and who you're still developing. It's kind of a win-win for the Bruins right now because I think, you know, you go into the, the back half of the season, especially with the lead the Bruins have, you're not terribly worried about getting every single point you can to finish out the year. You can start to rest Omar a little bit over the final few weeks. You want to keep him in game shape, obviously, but you're not worried about, oh man, we got to put Swayman now. We might lose like home ice advantage. He's very capable as a, as a one. backup, quote, <laughs> kind of a 1A, 1B, I think is, is exactly. really what the league is trending toward right now. Um, so, yeah, you can you can give Swayman a little bit of extra minutes, keep Omar fresh. Um, but, yeah, this this one-two punch, I think, is is the best in the league right now. And, um, you know, I was I was pretty happy with Omar last year. I thought he played really well for the Bruins. Yeah. I, I can't say I expected him to elevate his game quite to this level. It's been, it's been incredible. Bruins fans have been so spoiled for the past – decade plus with with good goaltending i think the key of the rest of the year i was talking with a colleague of mine um who said you know what maybe the bruins should start to monitor minutes second half of february first half of march you know you want to keep winning right it was about two weeks ago espn was running the story all over their website that the bruins chase for regular season history i don't give a rip about regular season history it's it's about winning the stanley cup i don't care who had the best number of points in a season. Who cares, right? It's at the end of the day, people don't remember who won the President's Trophy. They remember yeah. who won the Stanley Cup. And, it, you know, because when do you do it, right? And how do you systematically do it? You don't want to mess up your mojo. But at the same time, you got an older core. I remember Bergeron addressed it and he goes, if you ask me, I'm playing every night. But if they want me to take a night off here or there, that's fine too. It's, it's, it's going to be a fine balance for, for Jim Montgomery to, to go. Yeah, it's kind of the same boat that they're on from like a trade perspective, right? It's like you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to help this team win because obviously this is the year to do it. Yep. But at the same time, look at how well things are going. How much do you want to – you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm all in to give these guys a night off, especially later on the season. But you do have to wonder how much do you want to shake things up even just for a game or two because, you know what I mean, that mojo can change quickly as we've seen. Yeah. Um so, you know, that's not to say that they can't give guys nights off. They absolutely need to being healthy, well-rested, playoff ready. And that's 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 why you need to take advantage, I guess, of how well they've been throughout the season. They've built up that that cushion that we talked about, right? That's huge because of this. Now they can afford to be a little more lenient with nights off and that sort of thing, make sure they're really ready to run um, come playoff time. But it is, it's still a balancing act. Like you said, you don't want to mess with things too much um, and start to lose familiarity with the systems, with the – that kind of just ability of knowing where each other are on the ice like that, that's been huge so far for them this season, like you said. 
And, uh, you know, obviously the, the less guys are playing together, even if it's just for a couple nights can make a difference there. And yeah. um, it's a, it's a balance like anything else. You think, you think we see Fabian Lysel for, for, for a stretch, maybe get him in there and keep him keep him around for playoffs. I think it's dependent on injury situation right now. Yeah. I don't think the Bruins are overly eager to bring in a guy right now, like him, who I think is extremely talented, but, you know, I, I don't think you need to rush him. They're not looking for an extra boost right now. They don't need, all right, maybe we can bring this guy in. He can bring a little energy or, you know what I mean, add something to our game that we don't have. Um, I think if injuries play out and there's a situation where maybe you can give him a look, it doesn't yeah. hurt. But I don't think you need to force him into this lineup right now. I think he's young. He understands, I would imagine, what's going on right now uh, in the situation that he's in. I also think he understands that. There's going to be a lot of changes coming after this season. He's going to have a chance in, in training camp to prove that he's an, a regular NHL or next season. So yeah. um, I think situationally, if there's something that it makes sense, for sure, bring him in, see what he's got. Uh, he's been tearing it up in the minors, so can't hurt. But um, I don't think you need to necessarily force him in just for the sake of seeing him out this season either. All right. So uh, Maryland Terrapin sweater on today. Oh, yeah. In basking in the winter. Oh, massively, massively. I am equally parts incredibly stoked that that my uh, my Terrapins took down the Boilermakers in College Park yesterday. I'm also incredibly jealous uh, watching Xfinity Center storm the court yesterday. Uh, that was their first win against a top five AP ranked team since January of 2016. Uh, I was there from the fall of 2016 until 2020, so I missed that whole run. Okay. Um, so definitely jealous that that uh, that the fans were able to storm the court yesterday. But um, yeah, I'll tell you what the the Kevin Willard effect is is vibing in College Park right now, and uh, I think that team maybe not this season. I think they're playing with house money. I think they're talented, obviously, to beat a top three team in the country. They've got to be. Um, but you should you should keep your eyes on College Park over the next few years because once once Kevin Willard gets some more true shooters down there, I think that team's going to be a national title contender. Yeah. Where where can people find uh, Brews and Bruins podcast? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Brews and Bruins. We also opened uh, a website this fall, winter, last few few months here. I'm trying to remember when it went live, but uh, you can find that at BrewsandBruins.com. Uh, we also have some merch. Not much right now. It's just like T-shirts and stickers and shit. We're going to get some sweatshirts on soon. Um, but cool. you can find that at Brews and Bruins. And then we're also on Instagram. I think that's just at Brews and Bruins as well. We try to keep it easy for you to find. So Awesome. All right, look, let's uh, let's reconvene around playoffs. Yeah, absolutely, man. Pleasure. Always a All pleasure right. being on here. All right. Have an awesome day. Yes, you too, Sean. Thanks, man. Be good now. Cam Hasbrook, Brews and Bruins. Oh, I enjoyed that. The Bruin talk has been coming for a while. Um, wanted to get through football uh, before we really dedicated a show to the Bruins, but it's time now. So, all right, Super Bowl. I picked the Eagles. The defense let me down. Zero sacks. They didn't get to Pat Mahomes, and that's asking for trouble. And I really feel bad for Philly because Jalen Hurts balled out. I mean, he was great, and he validated all the talk about him. You know, it, it's just too bad. It was a classic game. But you look at the Eagles, you know, Hurts had the fumble. That goes back all the way for a touchdown. And then uh, the Kadarius Tony punt return, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. And when you you do things like that, uh, and Pat Mahomes is on the other team, you're, you're going to have a real hard time with it. They, they gave them – just too many points. And the holding call on, on Bradbury, 
my initial take when it happened was, well, that really sucks because it just kind of made it easy for the Chiefs to run the clock out, kick the field goal. <clears throat> Look, if it's a holding call in the first quarter, it should be a holding call in the fourth quarter. I don't have a problem with that. Bradbury came out and said the next day it was a hold or that night. My problem with that play was that I don't think he impeded uh, Juju Smith-Schuster at all. And it's a shame. It's a shame that a classic game ended like that, but it is what it is. It was a penalty. I hated it. When I saw the third and eight play go incomplete, I was like, I think there was a 144 left, 152, 144, one of the two, I think. My first thought was the Eagles are going to win this game by four. So I hadn't seen anything all day that the Chiefs might be able to stop Hurts coming down, coming down in the last two minutes. So I really liked Philly's chance, but you know what? Mahomes stepped up in the second half. He got all touchdowns. This picture makes me want to hurl, but it is what it is. So two two in uh, just a couple years for the Chiefs. Let's hope somehow it ends because I don't want to watch this anymore. Um, I've seen it out for this movie. So let's go to Vegas. So where do the Raiders go now? Derek Carr is gone. Good for Derek. I hope we'll wish him well. Nine years of admirable service. And the fact that he missed two games in nine years. He missed as many games when when the clown show sent him home, scapegoated him for, for their uh, failure this year, multiple failures. Uh, so anyway, I hope I hope Carr finds a good home and can, can do well. And, uh, you know, whether, hopefully it's in New York. So I see a lot of Jets football around here. And I want to watch him. And well, now here's the thing: Aaron Rodgers is now the hot name going to Vegas. And once he gets out of his seclusion, darkness finds himself. Good luck. Uh, my problem with getting Aaron Rodgers is how much are you going to have to give up for a 38-year-old guy making what's cap hits 50 million? It's going to play one year, maybe two, maybe. I think it's too much to give up for a guy who's old in football years for a team that a is not ready to go to the super bowl and, and is on the fringe of the playoffs even if mcclown here learns how to uh, do do better at his job this team isn't ready if it were me i'd re-sign jared stidham he knows that he played well his two games his audition and i would move up in the draft to take cj stroud because you don't have to you give up the your first round pick number seven overall. That's not too far of a drop uh, for somebody to go. I, I like Stroud better, a little bit better than Bryce Young, who just looks small on the field. Um, concerns about Will Levis and his turnovers. Every time I read a bio on him, you know he had a lot of turnovers in the last two years. Twenty three interceptions, I think, and, and questionable decision making. That that's not a seventh pick of the draft. And Anthony Richardson, as dynamic as he is from Florida, he, he's young. He just doesn't have enough reps, I don't think, to to pick him in the first round and make him your quarterback. Um, quarterbacks need reps. And this a guy like Stroud or even Bryce Young, they've played in so many big games. Um, I think they're more NFL ready uh, than Richardson. Again, Levis, uh, inconsistent with the ball. No thanks. No thanks. Uh, for me, that's what I would do. Team's got about 50 million in cap space. 
I would use that savings on some defense and maybe another offensive lineman or two and build around. And especially if you, let's say you get Stroud or Young. Now you got a young guy with a lot of experience and he's going to come in under that rookie contract. And you're not going to have to pay the man for another three or four years. And that's how some of these teams are doing when they're not paying the, their quarterback a lot, they can build around them and deal with the problem in a few years. So that's what I would do. Um, you know, buy or Mark Davis. I, I need an updated picture. He shaved his head. Apparently, thank God he finally got the he finally got the hint. Dude, that was no hairstyle. Anyway, pitchers and catchers are here. We're going to get much more into baseball um, come March as we get ready for opening day. I'm a big fantasy uh, baseball league player, so uh, so that'll be a focus uh, next week. Going to take a week off. We have a winter vacation for my kids, so I'll be home uh, being a dad, uh, working here and there where I can, and also our shameless plug, dear Liam and Noah, letters from daddy, speaking of my kids, uh, published with our good friends at the Saratoga Publishing Company, and uh, got some news, I think, and a book signing coming up, uh, if anybody was interested in that, and I'll certainly drop that, and personally, we get ready couple weeks to go in college hockey season, uh, covering the Lance Lair, RPI over Detroit, and then in college in the ECAC. And uh, Mark Madden is going to about a month or so. We're going to be uh, part of that coverage. Uh, so with that, have an awesome day, have an awesome week. We'll see you very, very soon. Baseball season, folks. Bye.